Hello and welcome once again to Musty Matches. I am a sweltering hot Kieran Lefort and joining me is an equally sweaty looking Mark Buckledy as uh, the UK is in the middle of a horrible heat wave once again. Mark, how are you doing? I'm good. This is maybe the first time I've actually done a podcast in shorts, uh, which is how warm it is. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone that far. I have the thinnest trousers I own and I have a fan blasting my legs uh, from off mic that hopefully my noise reduction software will deal with when it comes to the edit. This week, we are heading to the island of Lucha Libre for the first of only two matches, I do believe. Yes, two. Yeah. Uh, this is from EMLL, uh, September the 23rd, 1983. So the day before we've released this was this match's 40th anniversary. It is MS1 versus Sangre Chicana, two out of three falls, hair versus hair in a sold out arena, Mexico. And to help us, we have, for the third week in a row, another returning guest, Palm Singh Man is back. Palm, how is it with you in Vancouver? I am not melting, which is very nice. So, yeah, you no, look comfortable. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I just came back from driving in Richmond. I got my driver's license renewed. I look like a serial killer in the photo. And mm-hmm. I, I am heating up, though, because this match is a l- little fire, you know, a little, little great, a little kind of a classic. One of little the all-time matches. So. A little spicy. <laughs> yeah. So I'll ask you quickly, you nominated this. Um, what's kind of your like history and knowledge of of lucha because this i mean this matches from before mark is born not me like <laughs> let alone before you were born <laughs> so like how much have you kind of like gone back into lucha go for a quick general lucha one yeah i think i might have told the story before early fan see sin Cara versus bad news bear sin Cara right. with a mask that's cool i'm gonna google the word lucha and see what pops up i find lucha underground click on that Rest is history. Lucha Underground season one ends. I'm like, I want to watch the fucking Luchadors. Where are they? <laughs> and then uh, blah, blah, blah. That leads to me finding Indies, blah, blah, finding Cubs fan. He explains how CML works. I start keeping up with that. Too. And mm-hmm. I slowly but surely just start going in layers and layers deep because it's a fascinating subculture of wrestling. That, yeah. Especially with our North American eyes, I feel nowadays it's a little more acknowledged with mm. like uh, so many Luchadors getting work visas coming over, but Especially a few years ago, very ignored subculture mm. of professional wrestling. And it's so different to everything else as well. Exactly. And this match, we can go over it's very different, even from like yeah. comparable bloody brawls at the time, like the famous Tully Blanchard, I Quit Steel Cage match. Mm. For this specific match, this was a COVID watch through in lockdown. I was like, this is a very famous match. I'm finally going to watch it. The first time it blew me away, rewatching it for the podcast, it's still blown me away. But now that I have done more bumping and hurt myself like an idiot in pro wrestling, I have a little more mechanical knowledge of how insane some of this is. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk a bit about that. Uh, Mark, what's your relationship to Lucha? I will say that I have struggled with Lucha multiple times. Mm. I think it's probably because of what people are tell- were telling me to watch because I think the problem with Lucha for me has been I always ended up going people saying oh this random six man is great and I watch it and I just see people basically just walking past people ignoring them just to get into position for spots yeah and it just completely broke me Mm. now uh catching some little bits here and there yeah I can get it a little bit more um 
most lucha that I've watched, to be honest, has been from uh, COVID era uh, YouTube playlists. So it's mm -hmm. either been people like Vikingo or uh, Taurus mm -hmm. doing the crazy shit they can do, or it's been Zona 23 and people getting pile driven into windshields. <laughs> and it's pretty sick. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, for my part, I um, I'm trying to remember if I got a tape before when Worlds Collide in November '94 or not. I know I've seen stuff from around that time before that show. That might have been the first show I watched. Um, which, if people don't know, um, and Jesus, that show is nearly 30 years old itself. Um, that was a AAA pay-per-view in Los Angeles, uh, badly co-promoted by WCW, who also pr provided like the uh, like the TV production for it. Um, WCW did everything possible to try and sabotage it on the night, pretty much, <laughs> uh, displaying a complete lack of understanding of how Lucha Libre works. Uh, it did give the world, possibly for the first time, Mike Tanay. Uh, on comms as he was doing color because he was the only person like knowledgeable about lucha hmm. um and it also uh showed uh non latin north america uh Rey mysterio jr for the first time uh there was a match on it that got nominated uh for this project which yep. is elijo del santo and octagon versus art bar and eddie guerrero which is two out of three falls mask versus hair a classic of the time uh, the main event is a wild, bloody cage match between Pero Aguayo and Conan. Um, it's a really, like, a fun, tight two-hour, mm. like, shop window of Lucha. Um, and I kind of, like, I've dipped in and out between then and now. I realize that's a span of, like, 29 years. Um, but, like, then ECW and WCW brought Ray and Sucosis and La Parca and Juventud Carrera and clinging onto their coattails Conan to the us so they became like more mainstream and easier to watch um there was like a little like mid-90s explosion because they those guys would also do stuff in new japan and war mm. um and then unfortunately conan saw ecw and turned triple a into what it is today a, a nonsensical promotion full of brawling and it's been that for about 25 years <laughs> The worst part is the production values haven't really gotten that much better in the 25 years. So. There are very few people I want to stab in the eye with a screwdriver more than whoever it is that directs Triple Mania. The worst part is we don't actually know who is directing uh, Triple It's somebody. <laughs> I, I think it's an octopus on cocaine tap dancing on the console <laughs> because not an arm drag does not need nine cuts. Jesus Christ. Like That's exaggerating a bit, but like they will zoom out to a super wide shot for no reason in the middle of a move and you lose track of where somebody's going. I was like, going to say the audio issues. Oh, the audio is terrible as well. Like. <laughs> That's a whole other side of Lucha Libre. Yeah, this is yeah. beautiful Arena Mexico. Which yeah, is yeah. North uh, and we should probably talk. So I, I've also dipped in and out of CMLL as well. They started, put for a while, they put their, I don't know if they still do, put their weekly TV on YouTube and made it free to watch. And I watched that for a while. It has recently, they have finally decided about like a month or two ago to put their shows behind a paywall. Yeah. It's not too bad, like seven or eight USD a month, I want to say. Okay, that's not too bad. Like, particularly if you're into the product, then that's, that's... And I will say, the product is genuinely amazing so far this year. It has mm. been... Rocky Romero's had a career renaissance. They're I, actually saw, uh, I saw I saw the, the match with Mascara Dorada 2.0. That That is one of my favorite matches. They've Very good match. been pushing a lot of newer talent up the car, and the talent has, for their sake, mostly delivered. Yes. There's generally solid bailed up an angle and they bring in like 
they actually have been bringing in New Japan names again regularly. Kevin mm-hmm. Knight's debuting there soon with their anniversary show coming up in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But when the spot is already aired, maybe it's already happened. Yeah, and I think it will... So, uh, spoilers, we're kind of pre-recording this a bit, uh, thanks to schedules. I think um, this is... Oh, yeah. So, the day, the day before we are releasing this show, uh, CMLL talent are coming to the UK uh, in association with uh, RevPro. Uh, and doing a show in Manchester that, unfortunately, I will not have been at. But I really wanted to go. It's a lot of, like, newer talent they're bringing to the Manchester show, too. Mm. Like, Zabil Sokin, sorry, I probably butchered his name. Atlantis Jr., etc. A lot of lot of newer talent just now getting pushes. They're yeah. going to want to make a statement. The one that tempted me that I wanted to go and see is Echicero. I think he's brilliant. Oh, absolutely. And, like, he's finally found a footing as, like, a not full-on main eventer, main eventer, but definitely, like... He mm. can believably beat the main eventers, mm. and the contribution sure. is normal. Mm. I mean, for me, I'm not sure about committing to Manchester, but I'm really tempted by the idea of Hechicero in St. Neots, which is such a weird combination <laughs> of people and places. Yes. Uh, I say as someone who to whom St. Neots was my local wrestling town for a short period of time. <laughs> um, so as we're talking about CMLL, we should kind of like do, do the, the history quickly. This match is on a show put on by EMLL, which is what became CMLL. So they went from Empresa Mexicana de Lucha Libre to Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre. So Mexican Wrestling Enterprise to the World Wrestling Council. The match we're watching today is the final match from the trio of big shows held to mark their 50th anniversary. Yes, in 1983. Yes, that company is still going today. And uh, again, in another time warp, we are recording this before, but releasing it after their 90th anniversary show. It is mad that any wrestling company has been around for 90 years. Yeah, and considering that there's only two Lucha matches um, that uh, we're covering on the podcast and only 67 uh, matches from Mexico were nominated, Mm. 35 of those were from EMLL slash CMLL. And the other one we are talking about is a CMLL match as well, isn't it? Yeah, it must be because Atlantis is a CMLL guy. Yeah. So do you want to talk a bit about what got nominated in terms of Lucha? Because uh, I don't think MS1 or Sangre Chicana got any other nominations other than this match. They actually did. Oh, did they? Yeah. So Sangre Chicana and MS1. So MS1's only other nomination was a match that also involved Sangre Chicana. It was uh, the trio of Los Infinales, which was MS1, Satanico, and a Spectro against mm-hmm. uh, Mocha Koto, Sangre Chicana, and La Fiera. I apologize to anyone that speaks Spanish for my pronunciation throughout this entire thing. We are going to be butchering quite a lot of Spanish uh, throughout this show. I'm going to try my best and not... Um... Uh, not disgrace my Spanish family by marriage too much, uh, but I don't think any of them like Lucha and so won't be watching this, listening to this. So I do plan on bringing up that trios match, though, in the okay. build-up and aftermath of this match. So very still in the same ballpark, same general feud and rivalry. Yep. Mm. And there were two other Sangre Chicana matches nominated against Pero Aguayo in 1986 and El Satanico in 1989. Mm. Uh, the thing that I like is 26 of the, the 67 Lucha matches nominated, 26 of them were Lucha de Apuesta, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense because 
it's like one of the biggest stipulations you can have in Lucha Libre. It's It's got the history, it's got the tradition. Yeah, for the uninitiated, Lucha de Puesta is the wager match. It's mask versus mask, hair versus hair, hair versus mask. It's putting something on the line that's not necessarily a title. The bit that really surprised me, considering how uh, Lucha cards are built, there's only seven Lucha tag matches were nominated. Hmm. 60 of the 67 were singles, which... That's interesting. uh, Which really did surprise me, actually. Yeah. So first of all... Uh, Rey Mysterio got the most nominations with 18. I was going to ask, are we, yep. counti- are we counting Rey Mysterio in WCW? I will not count him in WWE, but I will count him in WCW as like the match with Psychosis we talked about is with another luchador. I haven't actually done that, so you don't want me <laughs> going through spreadsheets. It's a grey area, isn't it? Yep. Uh, so if you ignore Rey, mm-hmm. uh, the next highest... El Hio Del Santo with 12 nominations. I noticed he got a fair few, yeah. Phoenix with eight. Uh, the Man Called Penta, or whatever he is this week, yep. with seven. Penta L7 nominations, yep. Yep. Psychosis with six. Negro Casas with six. El Dandy with six. And who are you to doubt El Dandy? Uh, and Satanico with five. And there's probably a few more, but I stopped after that. <laughs> are you counting Lucha Underground? Because I noticed... Uh, the- Something that might please Palm. That got more uh, a couple of nominations as a promotion. I'm just counting Mexico, actually. Interesting, because I noticed Ooh. there was a there was a Phoenix match. Uh, uh, Phoenix versus Mil Muertes got a got a nomination, and I think the Hell of War match got a nomination as well. Five Lucha Underground matches wow. got nominated uh, for a limited run product. That's quite impressive. They did have a lot of seasons, to be fair, more than certain indie companies. <laughs> One of them only just missed out, which was Killshot versus Dante Fox, a.k.a. Swerve Strickland versus uh, AR, AR Fox. Fox. Yeah, that's the Hell of War match. That is a yep. match I have never seen, and I am aware of its reputation, and that kind of deathmatch stuff isn't for me. Mm. Although, I did recently go to Wembley Stadium and watch uh, Penta drive a stake into the top of um, uh, John Moxley's head. So maybe uh, uh, maybe my tolerance has improved. I think I have a much higher deathmatch tolerance. After all, I enjoy Zona 23 matches when I'm in the mood. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a complete set of Lucha Underground. I just haven't got around to watching anything beyond early season two, I think. Yeah. You're not yeah. missing too much after that, if I'm being honest. But Season one, it, well, we're digressing here. Uh, hello, Cardboard Taz. Uh, yeah, like, season one, I think, is like a very good, interesting, self-contained product. I like the conceit of it essentially being a science fiction and fantasy show set around a wrestling company. You just get to see the matches in full. Or as full as the editor will allow when it comes to Lucha Underground, because I'm aware stuff was like very heavily edited and occasionally reshot for the matches if uh, if people blew things too badly. But everything I've seen of it, I've liked. I think actually, I'm trying to think. When does Ray show up? Because I think I actually I've watched up until just before he's about to debut. Yeah, he shows up in early season two for, and then the season again picks up up until like the season two finale. But Ray's like. First, end of the first third of season two. Really. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I do intend to sit down and kind of go through it at some point. So the other matches from Mexico that have more than one nomination, uh, Vampiro versus Pirata Morgan at Lucha de Apuestas from 92. Uh, Heavy Metal, P. 
Hikudo and Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio Jr., Super Callo, and a man known as Winners. Oh, yeah, I know Winners. He was around when I started watching AAA TV, yeah. Yeah, so that was 93 in AAA. Uh, El Hio del Santo versus Negro Casas versus El Dandy uh, in 96 in CMLL. Uh, LA Park versus El Hio del Santo for Super Libre in 2001. Atlantis versus Ultimo Guerrero for CMLL in 2014, which I believe was Mask versus Mask. I believe it was. I think I've seen that. Laredo Kid versus El Hio del Vikingo uh, from 2019, AAA. And then we get a run of El Hio de Santo again mm. uh, versus Espanto Jr. in 1986, uh, the aforementioned When Worlds Collide tag match, mm-hmm. a CMLL match against Negro Casas, Mask versus Hair from 97, and then two much more recent ones. Black Terry versus Mr. Condor from Zona 23 in 2021. I'm sure somebody gets injured on a car in that. And Trauma 1 versus Canis Lupus from IWRG in 2016. Those are definitely words and possibly wrestlers. (laughs) I think Palm might have nominated that one. Possibly. It's a very like formative indie mass versus mass match, especially at the time got a lot of play Mm. partly for... I mean, some incredible imagery. If you just Google it, like the YouTube thumbnail is one of the most gorgeous bloody wrestling shots I've seen, no? In general. So we should kind of uh, introduce our boys in this match. Um, I went into this not even knowing which guy was which when I pressed play, and it turned out my initial guess was completely wrong. I would expect uh, somebody with the word sangre, blood in his name, to be the heel. Turns out that ain't the case. Uh, our blonde-haired, red tights-wearing Rudo is MS1, which comes pronounced M-A-S-A Uno, and I will not, mostly for reasons of brevity. Uh, he is Pablo Fuentes Lorena, uh, and he, I believe, started wrestling in 1978. Uh, he's only 26 here. Uh, and his name comes from... Um, MS1 is the highest rank in a Mexican anti-terrorist squad. Uh, and he was originally part of a mass tag team with MS2, who was apparently shit and given the boot after less than a year. Uh, he lost his mask, which is quite a nice um, red number with a, like a gold bandit mask over the eyes. Uh, he lost that only 14 months before this match uh, and became even more popular due to being, quote, quite a handsome fella in the write up I read. He retired in early 97, uh, but would come in for like an annual match, usually teaming with his son, MS1 Jr., for AAA in the early 2000s, and then sadly was killed in a car accident in 2012 at the age of 55. When I looked at photos, I didn't really understand the handsome part of MS1, but then watching <laughs> this match, but then watching this match I honestly see it, because he moves very gracefully, and he has a face that emotes very well. Mm. Like, it's a very memorable face, I will say. Our man in black uh, and our technico in this match is Sangre Chicana who debuted as Lemus. And when we catch up with him here, he's a 10-year vet at the age of 31 and has lost, obviously, that name and uh, his... And I've just realised I've got their mask the wrong way around. Sangre Chicana is the guy with the red mask and with the gold, like, bandit mask over the eyes. MS1's mask. Um, How would you like to describe that, Palm? I would describe the MS1 mask as... Have you ever played a fighting game and you ever, like, went for, like... The all-color swap. Not the first all-color, but like the fifth or sixth all-color swap. Yeah. And you went for a stormtrooper. You just went the fifth or sixth color swap where it's 
Like just a bunch of random colors with no real RM or reason, not to have the MS1 mask. Though. Yeah, I, I do think that um, Lucasfilm might have grounds to sue. It is very, very Star wars <laughs> Anyhow, uh, Sangre Chicana is uh, Andres Duran Reyes, uh, although comms calls him Andres Richardson throughout the whole match, which I thought was interesting. Um, and if you want to talk big lucha families, boy, does Mr. Reyes have one. His brother is Herodes, uh, and brother-in-law is Aguila Solitaria, and their respective sons are the juniors of those two names. Plus, he has three sons and three daughters who all became wrestlers. Sangre Chicana Jr., Sangre Imperial, Hijo de Sangre Chicana, Lady Chicana, Yuvia, and Lahedra. I've actually seen a lot of them wrestle, and I never realized they were related. It's That's crazy. That is, crazy. That is far too many wrestlers to come out of one family. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't act up at that family barbecue, would you? <laughs> no. Good amount of them are, like, decently successful, too. Some mm. of them wrestle CML, some of them wrestle AAA regularly. Mm. Yeah, pretty strong wrestling family. Uh, and to round out Senor Chicana, he is now 71, uh, and according to Cage Match, has his la- had his last match in 2016, but according to Wikipedia, retired in 2019. So, the match itself. Um, actually, I have a few things that I yeah, may add for Senor Chicana. Because there's not a lot of build like we can find on tape, but I did do a little bit of research to try and piece together. Sure. A bit of a build, so if I may go for a bit. Mm. Play of the Blade by Phil Schneider refers to Sangre Chicana as a man who won the best punches in wrestling history. That's not just him giving praise. That's essentially his entire character. Sangre Chicana is in so many absurd, like, bloody fights. Uh, just a few months before this, he's in another hair versus hair mattress, La Fiera, where there's definitely a heel face, but both men are coming kind of heelish because they mm. both just want to eat the shit out of each other. And MS1 is, he's part of Los Infernales, led by Satanica, which is a much more technical one. They kind of take umbrage to Sangre Chicana's whole shtick. So they decide to start targeting him, and Trio's match blowing up this just disqualification of disqualification with Los Infernales trying to gang up on Sangre. Mm-hmm. And this leads to Sangre getting his own help with La Fiera and Mochacota, and they have several weeks of which, including one of the match I believe Mark mentioned was nominated, which I'll get into. And one of the best we describe the dynamic here and the general discuss us in Fernales has is a day after this match, Sangre and Satanico wrestle each other, with Satanico trying to essentially out technical wrestle the beast uh Sangre Chicana and then a d- tie, double pinfall. In a post match promo, it clearly shaken up Satanico because he believed he was clearly the better wrestler. Angrily refers to Sangre Chicana as a beast in a derogatory way. Mm. Just insulting him decides not a see all he does he just punches and punches but he's clearly shaken up because it fucking works sangre chicana is a man who just fights 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 and it gets over a few months after this we get into sangre chicana volano 3 and Volano just immediately tries to beat the shit out of him because everyone sees oh this is sangre chicana he's the best puncher in the hmm. roster i beat him i become the guy so he has a bit of a target on his back because this isn't just Sangre Chicana versus MS1. This Sangre Chicana versus all of Los Infernales, mm. with him finally getting a chance to go one-on-one by himself, no interference, no extra rudos, to a bloody fight to the finish against one of the members of Los Infernales to hopefully put this all behind him. So there's there's enough of a build that I'm like actually very sad we don't have enough of it on tape. We just have the aftermath. Mm. I was going to say, 
that I watched this in the worst possible conditions. Then I realised it might actually be the most authentic of conditions. Stifling heat with my Spanish as first language neighbours making a racket downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, Com starts out by just flat out telling us MS1's real name. <laughs> Literally the first words out of their mouths are his name. Um, and we cut to them. This got this was weird. We cut to them standing next to the ring, either earlier or later, and they're not lit at all from the front, so you can't see their faces. And then after five seconds, we go back to the ring, and then another five seconds are back to the commentators, and I think somebody's just hitting the wrong buttons. Or perhaps it's the AAA director's dad, you know, getting, getting in practice early. Um, I believe they're both described as authentic Aztec warriors in my uh, poor understanding of Spanish. Uh, while the commentators are rattling on, we go back to the ring and MS1 has sort of jumped out and just attacked Jakana on the floor as he's making his entrance, uh, smashing his head into the edge of the apron and Jakana immediately goes for his blade. Uh, the referee only occasionally succeeds in holding MS1 back from repeatedly kicking Jakana in the head. I loved how the crowd barriers in 1983 Arena Mexico are just the local cops with sledgehammer handles. And with how aggressive this match is, it's kind of needed, though. Like, if yeah. I was very into it, I could absolutely see this being the, like, mm. yeah, fuck it. I may as well throw something at this asshole if he's going to be this aggressive at risk. <laughs> I mean, the front row definitely got involved, not physically in terms of hitting, but for that me... Is, you, yep. you've, you've prefigured my next note. A pair of old ladies try and mop some of the blood off Chicana's face with some tissues and hankies. And when they go back to the shot of one of them later, who I think is his mother... That's, I found a few people mention his mother, but I don't understand Spanish well enough to tell. So, from what I could hear, the, the commentators were saying, uh, uh, Madureta de Sangre Chicana, uh, Andrea Richardson. That's what it sounded like to me. Thank you. Um, yeah. When they cut back to her later on, she's taking a, taking a big drag on a cigarette. <laughs> And I love it because she's staring dead set at the camera. Yeah, like, yeah. So what? It's just... Yeah. I, the, I called her La Sand Mama. <laughs> there was a, definitely a couple of different uh, ladies who were absolute characters if you're just watching the front row throughout this yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so MS1 just dumps uh, Chicana in the ring, hits him with a slam, top rope splash in a ring that if I hadn't heard the boards crash, I would swear was made of concrete. It's a looser ring. They're yeah. pretty stiff by regular yeah. standards. Isn't it one of the bull rings where they do just have like a slab of concrete in the middle of the in the middle of the venue, and they just put like a layer of carpet underlay and the uh, canvas over the top, and there's your ring. I haven't researched building those type of rings as much, but I do know they're built essentially to be left at the venue, never to be taken down or built yeah. back up. Mm. So yeah. I would not. I do believe you. It's. Yeah. Very, very brutal to bump in. Yeah. Uh, so this gets uh, MS1 the first fall. I couldn't tell if the next fall starts immediately or if there's supposed to be a rest. Uh, but MS1 just kicks Sangre in the head some more. There's uh, technically supposed to be a rest. But okay. I feel this is the match where MS1 has officially stopped caring. Yeah. And just fucking... Like, this match is so efficient. Just first fall alone. Mm. It's just an immediate... Like, Sangre Chikana is taken by surprise by, by this asshole heel that even if you don't know any of the build-up, you already know who's the heel, who's yeah. the face. You already know to just what extent a heel this is. Mm. 
Well, Sangre's always trying to fight back, but there's just so much damage that he you has say to go he's down. trying to fight back. I'm not sure he gets in any offense in the first. I don't fault. think he does. he's just being kicked. But in he's the not head trying and... to die. Let me free. That was the yeah. point. He's trying not to die. In that <laughs> he's not trying to fight back. He's trying to survive. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I have barely any notes on the second fall. Like with the second fall, we do get Sangre slowly coming back to life, trying to win the match, and mm. being able to survive, get his bearings. One of the things that strike me is Sangre throws some very loopy, long-winded punches that get, they look visually distinctive, very mm. playing to the back of the arena. Mm. I love MS1 Cell. He falls down, but not in a bumpy way, not in a stoogy way. A fall down with a little thud, and he just kind of looks at Sangre, aware of what could happen now. That's Sangre's yeah, back. He, just, he <clears throat> just falls back on his backside, doesn't he? Yeah, there's just a little bit of fear in his eyes mm, after seeing yeah. all of that Sangre survived. Yeah. You know, he still fight back. We get some very solid dives. MS1 going to the outside off one of the punches, clearly trying to get his bearings. Sangre immediately dives on him. Yeah, I called it a cruise missile of a tope. Like, there is no holding back here. Um, it, it's just like top of the head into the sternum, knocking him back. And now that we have Sangre clearly fired up, right, to get his revenge, well, MS1 is... Not stooging, mm. but clearly panicked. Mm. We get him getting knocked down a bit, getting thrown to the outside. To finish the fall, Sangre hits one more die, but he's clearly a lot more exhausted. If you can look at his face underneath all the trickling blood, mm. you might be able to see it. Uh, he barely manages to pull MS1 and himself back into the ring and get it. But he's so tired after that dive spot. He can't go for a real pinfall so he has to settle for a counter win off the dive yeah. for the second mm. fall and that really builds up the catharsis because Sangre hasn't really like gotten a fall win off ms1 he's technically has yeah but he hasn't given a real like conclusive fuck you bitch you take this punch yeah, yeah it's it's a it's a desperation technical win isn't it it's not definitive it's yeah. it's a win by default Yes, well, MS1, by comparison, was an asshole, jumped him early and got a much more definitive win in the yeah. first fall. Yeah. And you can hear the crowd very much going to a fever pitch waiting for Sangre to finally mm. find mm. the thing. What I loved is uh, how Sangre Chikana's comeback is because he ducks a punch. It's this kind yeah. of, he makes his opportunity. And it's that little sense of, I love how his first real toehold back in the match is actually sort of avoiding an attack and then throwing his own punch. So it's a lovely little bit, but it is very much desperation. It's not like the kind of energetic desperation. It's a kind of slow, struggling desperation from uh, Sangre Chikana because even at this point, he's fucked, basically. He's wrestling like he's struggling to move. He survived, but he still needs to rebuild slowly mm. to get back into the match. I'll tell you who almost didn't duck a punch is the stupid photographer who walks between them at the start of the third fall and almost gets it from both sides at the same time. I really want to see what those photos look like, man. I don't think totally get them. <laughs> I imagine this, I don't know, it's probably like feet or like panic or a cracked lens or something. Yeah. Um uh yeah this starts out uh on the floor with them just like punching each other um passing through the commentary booth for fall number three is wrestler tony salazar who today is one of cmll's bookers and ring announcers and the uncle of the original mystico slash sin cara 
who at this point in time would have been just nine months old when this match happened. <laughs> so Pablo gets a taste of his own medicine, going headfirst into the edge of the apron, and now he's bleeding as well. Let's not uh, downplay this. This is not a kind of head onto the thing, hands oh, no. to make the noise. He's landing with all of his body weight on his forehead. He's in the air when his head hits that thing. Oh, I, I specifically said the edge. So it's not the flat. It's not, quote unquote, the hardest part of the ring. It is the edge. It's the metal edge underneath mm. the canvas. He does, however, get the upper hand in the ring with a running kick that knocks Sangro back outside. And MS1 tries to win it with the same method Jakarna took the second, death by tope and count out. Uh, but Sangre easily beats the count and then kicks out of the subsequent pin attempt. I've seen people say part of Chicana's selling is to kind of punch himself to keep himself awake. But to an old cynic like me, I could just see him very clearly giving his cut the knuckle to try and produce more blood flow. <laughs> Ah, hey, okay. He's a punter, man. Both count, count as the gimmick. He's still saying in character regardless. <laughs> Anyhow, at one point, he hits himself too hard, allowing uh, MS to dive on and try another pin, but it fails, uh, as do a senton and what I called various wacky lucha submissions. Uh, MS1 tries the tope gambit again, uh, but Jakana deflects him, sending him crashing into the front row. Uh, that that caught me out. That looked very painful. Uh, it yeah. sounded painful. It yeah. had a really wooden funk. Yeah. <laughs> the type of thing that, like, in this modern day, people will be, like, losing it on Dyna by saying, even, like, if Darby Allen did that, I think people will be like, well, calm down there, Darby. That's a bit much even by your standards. Just I mean, uh, recently there was the match with with Nick Wayne where Wayne just stepped out of the way and he sm and smashed into the barrier. I have not watched that yet, so I'm very looking forward to that one. <laughs> Darby Allen, big EMLL fan, oh. Apparently or Nick so. Nick Quinn might be a big MS1 fan, who knows? <laughs> also, one one quickly call back, just something that I'd never seen before, mm. was uh, MS1 doing a, a double arm suplex, but he's hooked the arms, but instead of lifting, he's kind of then grabbed the waistband to yeah. do the lift, um, as I call it, the Tiger suplex. Very good. Um, also, that he does bridge, but it's not for a pinfall. Like he's trying to mm. get a submission out of it, or at least the referee doesn't recognise it as a pinfall and is just uh, is calling like you know it's it a hold rather than a pin attempt. I I mean, is Lucha refereeing the most stringent family of refereeing? I yeah yeah, Lucha refereeing <laughs> is its own special breed of. Definitely going for the submission. I yeah. also had to eat a second there, but yeah, the lava and it's part of the whole Los Infernales, Team Lusitanico, he's the wrestler, mm. Sangre can't even do that, blah, 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 mm. type of mm. superiority. So Sangre uses exhaustion as an offensive move uh, and tries to, for a pin after a nothing, and I mean literally nothing, he just rolls yeah. over onto uh, MS1, but it doesn't work. Uh MS1 goes back to what won him the first fall, the slam and the splash, but Sangre rolls out of the way. Uh, he also avoids a top rope flipping senton, which in this ring looked like it hurt like hell. Mm. Um, and then uh, Chicana puts on uh, like a modified stretch muffler. So it's the, 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 the crook of the knee over the back of the head, and he's then reaching down and pulling on an arm as well. It looks so good. That's yeah. such a nice, such a very deep stretch muffler. Yeah. Much Locker. Yeah, I see, I've seen other more modern guys do this as well recently. Uh, yeah, uh, and that's that's a submission, and he's won two falls to one, saves his lovely bushy dark hair. 
as one very minor thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might notice uh, at the end, uh, MS1 shoulders did go on the mat uh, mm. also. So it's a bit of a double win for Sanger because he's also technically out-wrestled him because he's pinned him while making him submit. I see. Ah. And then, just to wrap it up, uh, after the match, MS1 gets a proper full head shaving in the ring. None of this, like, running away. None of this, a little bit gets cut off. It is a, a full down to, like, zero on the Clippers. Sangri does hit him a few times, though, regardless of if he tries to run away Well, or not. yeah, I mean, just to, like, persuade... Because he rolls out to the floor, and I think it's just, you know, to kind of persuade him back into the ring. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's still a little cathartic. He's still... Sangri's still feeling... He's still a little pissed off after yeah. that match. And, and I noted, like, through a combination of this ancient video quality and a face covered in blood and a bald head, he looks like a big Kenichiro Arai. He does. <laughs> I was the imagery. I was like, I wish we had the photography on this match because, mm. like, the image of bald, bloody to MS One looking at the camera is intense. I'm, I kind of yeah. love. It. I didn't, e- I didn't even look to see if there were any like photos kicking around online. Like, I only have this video file. Yeah, I didn't really look for it, but I feel that's one of those things. If you search up, I feel would find it easily, and I could not find it on Lucha well, World. Well, I've got a, I've got to make a, a show graphic for this, so uh, I'll have a le- nose around and see what I can find. Mark, I'm going to start with you. Uh, how do you feel? Well, my first question is, is this our bloodiest match or is it close to it? Not that you can tell well, with the Well, we did but... very recently do War Games 92, didn't we? Which is yeah. a bloodbath. Um, do you remember there was a run of, it must have been close to four months where every match was just like yep. blood all over the place on this show? Oh, yeah. I'm almost certain... Uh, Bleeding is featured in the majority of the matches so far yeah. easily. So the first thing I just want to quickly touch upon, at points, because of the way the footage was, it was almost like this match was rotoscoped. Do you think? Well, there, like there was really heavy black outlines on various bits I at see. times. So it was almost distracting for me. It's I, I have to say it's quite funny because... I pride myself on my uh, background of watching so much footage that was on, like, filmed on a potato quality, like 240p. Mm-hmm. And yet, I did find the presentation a little bit of a struggle mm. uh, to get into. And this is one, so I'd seen it before covering it for this podcast. So, and mm. then I did my, because uh, spoilers, I also do the two watch method that Kieran does. Uh, and. It's kind of, I want to say it took me a while to get into it and appreciate it because in many ways it's that classic 80s punchy match. Mm. So if you think about it, like Jerry Lawler was doing similar things, uh, not exactly the same, but in terms of his style in the 70s and 80s, I really think that you can lump this as a subcategory and lump in uh, Dump versus Chigusa mm. and Tully versus Magnum because they're all they're all heel versus face bloody brawls from roughly this yeah. like three and, and or those, four period those of time. Those two matches are only eighteen months to two years after this. Yeah, this is minimalist wrestling with uh, yeah. a bucket full of blood yeah. and some extra flips. It's very good. It's maybe. And I really do appreciate the, the the desperation on the selling because this is a match that's very much about, it's about the never-say-die attitude of Sangre Chikana, about him fighting through the tiredness and fighting through his obvious fatigue. 
and he has good punches. But for me, I'm not sure if I call it must-see, and I probably prefer the other two matches that I mentioned. Like, mm. I probably prefer the Magnum match. I definitely prefer the Dump Chigasa match. Um, I can get the appeal for this, but there are other matches of this style, of this time, that I will prefer to it. I think this match has a lot going against it. The commentary, for me, doesn't convey any sense of drama. Agreed. The referee refs it like he's in a fucking coma. Um, there's no bell, so it's hard to tell when anything starts or finishes, and you're robbing the crowd of pops with the bells as well. Mm. And the crowd, I didn't think, were as hot as it's been made out to be in some points. Like, the the end of the second fall, it's a count-out, and, like, I could I could hear them. Like, they didn't make any noise for me um chicano wins this big bloody brawl and they cut to his mum who looks like she's just waiting for him to get this over with so she can give him a lift home like even she doesn't care she's not jumping up and down excited that her son has won or crying that he's survived she's just sitting there this is the most doesn't do it for me thing we've watched on this project so far I'm aware this is going to make me extremely unpopular on the internet. I have seen people calling this the best match ever. Um, I really hate big wild punch wrestling. I can't stand it. I grew up on World of Sport, which was wrestling, which was hold. The punch is illegal in like British wrestling. Like That gets you a public warning, and then a second one of those gets you disqualified, you know? Um, I think this has dated more than anything else we've watched. Um I get that they're selling blood loss and exhaustion, but there are points when there is nothing happening and the apparent drama just didn't come across to me at all. Thanks to, as I said, things like the lackadaisical commentary, the terrible lucha refing, uh, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I was really disappointed when I finished this because I was looking forward to like a wild, exciting brawl and I didn't get anything. I got slow pace people just falling over as i said people going for a pinfall off nothing um yeah i am so sorry <laughs> but now we're gonna throw it to palm who's gonna tell, tell us why it's the best thing ever and why to him is a must-see match uh, that has made his list all right to go one by one i'm gonna go over why i as a wrestler adore yeah, this match absolutely uh the way sangha jikana winds up his punches the way MS1 moves, when you think about it, is so comically exaggerated, but it perfectly conveys every single thing they're going for in this match. The way that it's really hard to tell. Like, the punches are comical, loopy punches in any other context. Mm. But with the way Sangre is selling and the way they're building up to the punches, the way MS1 sells them, these punches feel like they're rocking the earth to me. This feels like the epitome of why you get taught to do the over-exaggerated comical Hulk Hogan punch your own hand on the opponent's head punch. Mm. This is such a tour de force of selling and striking that when you look at so many other matches like Tully, Blanchard, Magnum TA and the Steel Cage, they have a broken table to stab each other with. They have a Steel Cage. They have a panic manager. This match, Sangre's entire offense is literally just punches, three dives and rolling out of the way. Yeah. And <laughs> He gets so much out of that, man. It's everything like I watch him, like, I wasn't even thinking about it watching because I was like, 
oh, man, he's back into it. He's back into it. And mm. I must want to mention now that I have a better idea, this very thanks for this podcast in getting me to want to try and research the build. Because mm. once again, very hard to find it. Hopefully, some days CML with their YouTube service will now like start uploading a backlog to make it easier. But if you wait till the hundredth anniversary, then maybe, maybe. But finding out just how much, you, like this was personal between Los Infernales and Sangre Chicana, and they're like borderline fear of the beast, as Satanico calls him. Mm. It made me so excited because Sangre bleeds so well, MS One sells so well. And then we get into some shots. I understand that seeing the mom hit the cigarette at the end of the match might come up like the days ago, but I kind of love it. It's just kind of an imagery of, yeah, yeah, if I saw all that, I think I need a cigarette too, honestly. <laughs> and there's something so charming about every walk of life. Like you can kind of see like children losing it. You can see adults wanting to heckle MS1. You can see old ass grandmas wanting to wipe down MS1's blood. And I'm just like, this gets so much out of so little, mm. but I'm still screaming over certain spots they're doing almost 40 years later. I don't, there's no scenario where I don't think this is such a easy to recommend must see match. And compared to a lot of other Lucha matches, yeah, the presentation, I won't lie, it's very alienating. It takes a lot of getting used to it. But I feel this type of match, you can just pop in front of someone interested in wrestling and they can just get it. Like you can understand. I'm not saying you have to enjoy it, but you can see the punches, <laughs> you can see the blood, and you can see the some of the crazy dives, and you understand that, yeah, this is Lucha Libre, this is why people go crazy for Vasquez mask matches. Yeah, it's 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 all or about hair hair matches. I'm sorry, hair first hair matches. <laughs> they were not they were not betting the Star Wars Stormtrooper mask here. <laughs> no, you'd already lost that. Yeah, I mean, like this is wrestling, you know. It's all about feeling, and you felt it, and and Mark and I didn't to to whatever extent, and that's why we have this show. Yes, we have a bit of an aftermath with this feud. If I may go into it real quick, you, you, absolutely. Uh, one of the matches Mark mentioned was nominated. Last in finale was like Mocha Coda, La Fiera, and Sangre Chicano is a directly a week after this, uh, mm-hmm. less than a week after the Satanico match where he calls Sangre a beast, which I've referenced like five times. Mm-hmm. It's one of the few promos we have to build up this goddamn feud. Uh, it's a match that is similarly so insane that the ref just stops trying to keep track of it at certain points. Mm-hmm. Technically two out of three falls. But the match ends with the heels winning by disqualification as all three babyfaces isolate El Satanico, hold him down, and Sangre Chicana kicks Satanico in the dick three times in a row, <laughs> full force, to get himself disqualified. And it's one of the most cathartic things. After he's done with MS1, he wants to deal with Satanico the week after to make sure <laughs> I can't remember, I'm going to butcher his name, but I think Espectro Jr. was the third member. He'd retire mm. early. So when, after a little diversion with Sangre going back to punchy against whatever top you like, Villano 3, but you only get a short little match for no, no full view, no big blow off. We get another match a year later with uh, Sangre Chicana MS1 in a rematch to finally, finally, finally mm. put a pin in the cap uh, to the feud with Sangre Chicana emerging victorious. Uh, the king with his punches dealt with the Los Infernales who believed he could not out wrestle them. And they got, they might not have been out wrestled, but they got out punched in the face. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's whole things years later. I'm, I know Satanico Sangre Chicana have another match like five years later, but. I don't know if there's any relation in that feud there. I'm too lazy to check because it's very difficult. Absolutely fine. 
even though I didn't necessarily enjoy it, thank you for putting this on our radar. You know, I one thing I do enjoy about this show is getting to experience wrestling from different mm. like times and places that I wouldn't otherwise normally see. So it was great to see it, even if I didn't enjoy it as much. Um, Palm, I would like to thank you for coming on again. Uh, the floor is, as always, yours to plug whatever you want to plug, who you're wrestling, all that kind of thing. Uh, before I play, I just want to give a quick thank you. I had a reason to actually try and figure out the build-up to this match, and I'm sure my head is using filling in the blanks of my imagination, but it was very cathartic figuring out just how deep uh, Los Infernales and Sangreji kind of ran in the period. Uh, for stuff to plug, you can find me on the bluesky.com, the twitter.com, the Instagram. I'm Singh Man. I'm the one who bends his arms funny in the profile picture, and I'm a professional <laughs> wrestler. Uh, you can find me debuting in uh, San Francisco and Vegas uh, with Pride Style and Full Queer. I'll be wrestling at the Folsom Street Fair. I think the day this podcast goes live, which is exciting, I am wrestling in Vancouver, dealing with the loss of my mentor, Abraham Lincoln, for Boom Pro Wrestling. And I am also the owner and operator of Dust Pro Wrestling, which has finally found a regular venue. And, uh, well done. You'll be able to find Daniel McIver's Nicole Masters 3 online, Ideally, by the time this goes up, if not in like a few days afterwards, it was a pretty successful debut show. And now I'm horrified because I need to buy a wrestling ring and those cost money. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, at least you haven't shut the company down again since we last spoke to you. (laughs) (laughs) Give it time. Give it time. We'll see by the end of the wrestling. So. As for us, you can go to linktr.ee slash mustseematches for all the ways to subscribe, links to the full list of nominations, and a whole load more. We are at mustseematches on Twitter, Instagram, Mastodon, Threads, and Blue Sky. And we also have a Discord, uh, bit.ly slash mustseematches Discord, and you can come and have a chat. A uh, bit of a time warp plug. It hasn't been recorded yet, but should be out by the time you hear this. Uh, I was the September guest on Alan Forel's What's on the Telly uh, behind the Torch VIP paywall. We talked about two show, two television shows from September. Um, September. Uh, I chose uh, Dragon Gate Infinity episode number three, which has the debut of the anime um, uh, intro sequence, although not as the intro sequence. And one of my favourite fun matches, the uh, everyday pro wrestling Dragon Scramble Battle Royal. And uh, Alan chose the September 22nd, 1997 episode of Monday Night Raw, which is that one from Madison Square Garden. Uh, so hopefully that was a tremendous show. And uh, you're, you're a Torch VIP. You can listen to that. On Twitter, I am at Kieran Edits. And Mark is at monkey underscore buckles. I want to quickly say a big thank you to the Cubs fan at Lucha Blog on Twitter. Help me find the picture I used in the show image. And next week... Strigger from Cage Match and Eastern Lariat will be back in the hot seat as we get into the first of the not quite nine percenters with Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada from New Japan Invasion Attack on April the 7th, 2013. So make sure you're here for that. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.